Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay, and joining me today is Jeff Clochisi. Ooh. Why do you Classy. Why that bother? Yeah, no, but what but I just think that is your that's your alternate like your DJ name. Yeah, that's the thing though. It's not. DJ Clochisi. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. I'm I'm rolling with it. Jeff Clossy. Jay Williamsburg. Well, that's not a it's good not DJ your name. name. That's not a good... I know, but I'm not a DJ. Well, yeah, well aren't you? <laughs> well, you are you like to spin the tables here. Is that turn tables? Tur- how the ooh. turns have tabled? Ooh, I like that. Hey, um, it's good to be with you today, Jay. Well, good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, so, so you are our teams extraordinaire, like our teams... Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams, yeah. Not For the like, uninitiated into that right, world. Right, So there's <laughs> like been some office drama today, and um, it is evidently I don't know where to find any communication. So we use Microsoft uh, Teams, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I think it's the greatest thing ever created. Ooh, I hear a, like I, a tone there. A tone, yeah. They, you may have sensed <laughs> some irony or sarcasm in that. But so I ask a simple question about... Well, where is that? And I get lambasted. I get torn to shreds. This is supposed to be an encouraging work environment. And you say, well, obviously it's right here. And I'm like, well, who knows that? And you said, you respond, Jeff, you of all people responded with everybody knows that, but you. <laughs> and I just, I just, I shrunk. It was a great moment. I'm sure everyone what? listening how would you call it can a great... imagine how fun it was and how great it was. To what? To put me in my place? I don't understand. The cold conversation. I just so then you so then you post on Teams that there will be a training for by popular demand. By popular demand, which was just me, me demanding it. A training uh, session on how to use Microsoft Teams. Right. Submit your questions below. So I'll, I am excited okay. to do this. But how would one learn of this training on Microsoft Teams? Via Microsoft Teams. Right. So do you see the problem here? I if do. One, if one does not know how to use Microsoft Teams, posting a training about how to use Microsoft Teams via Microsoft Teams is a problem. And, and nothing. How did I'm you just, know I posted it? Because you told me you did. <laughs> that's it. Like that's how I find out everything because I don't understand how to use it. So, all right. Well, that is not. That's not the topic today. Today I just we're to, going to talk about to it. discipleship in technology. Discipleship rule number sorry. one. <laughs> I just, I just, I just needed to let everybody know that you know I get the re- I get the reputation as like I'm the. I'm the bad cop or whatever, but then behind closed doors, you know, you, you just, it just hurt Jeff. It hurt. I'm sorry, Jay. Hopefully it will be uh, for the best. It's okay. Cause now we'll have a training, a training yeah. course. Which would be great. In which there will never be confusion again. No confusion. Yay. Eliminate confusion. That could have come in handy on Sunday. The basics. The eliminating confusion oh. during the sermon. <laughs> so... What did you want to say about that? Well, no, I, okay. It's, if people don't realize, so we talk sometimes about like, okay, what happens in the, you know, behind the scenes kind of a thing. Well, this Sunday I did what I often do on Sunday morning or sometimes will happen where I just kind of restructured the whole 
sermon. I just felt like, okay, no, I, I'm going to go this way with it. And then I have this software that, um, that I export all the, all my stuff exports it into a PDF. But when it does it, it's, it's programmed to add headings and page breaks and font changes and all these different things. And so I just, I hit compile and it does it. And so then when I get up there, like all my notes are, it's, it's visually structured so that I have these cues of knowing how to keep myself on track because I'm old now. And so sometimes I lose my train of thought or I lose like, what was the connection? And so I have these visual cues. So I did that how I normally do. And I get up there on Sunday morning and evidently all of my presets that have been the same for like four years, I don't know, just reset evidently because I got up there and none of that was there. It was just like a sea of words and I panicked a little bit on the inside <laughs> and just thought, well, I guess this is what's happening. So, um, so because of that, it may have felt, if it felt a little more disjointed than usual, then there's a, there's a practical reason, but it also is one of those situations where if there were helpful nuggets or anything that the Lord did through that, then you, then that's praise God. That's, um, uh, so it doesn't, you know, for what it's worth, Jay, I, I had no visual cues from the way you were looking that that happened. I think and I don't think anyone probably did. No, like prob- you could not tell that you looked out at a screen full of gibberish <laughs> <laughs> that you couldn't decipher. Yeah. There was no like, oh, and you looking around wondering what to do next. You just yeah. kind of rolled with it, which is great. So I don't know if people, it'd be interesting to know. I don't know if people would even know that that happened. Who knows? Who knows? And it, and, and it is kind of irrelevant. Like, I think this is one of the things that we, we always have to be reminded of as people who preach that it's so tempting to think that it is the well-organized points and structure of our sermons that is really the impactful thing. Now, structure is helpful and organization of ideas is helpful and there's no question about that. But at the end of the day, what really matters is, is God there and is he speaking and are, are his are his, you know, his children hearing his voice and is it bringing about stirring affections for Christ? And is it, is it stirring a desire to obey? Um, that's, that's what's important. Not whether a person could go home and reconstruct all the main points, um, or walk away thinking like, Oh, that was a well-presented sermon. That's not the goal. Um, so yeah, exactly. It's, it's spirit filled preaching. Right to spirit and dwelled people. Right. You know, that's the idea and the hope and desire and prayer. You're right. I mean, I don't know the last time I remembered any structure of any sermon that wasn't my own that I, that I wrote, but you do remember the way God right. spoke to you about a specific scripture or a specific application. Yeah, that's a good point. So that said, so then, um, you may not, there may not be anything for you if, as far as questions. And then when you asked the question earlier, uh, before we hit record, was there anything that you would want to clarify? And I just laughed. That's why we're bringing it up because I was just like, well, the whole thing. The sermon. I mean, I guess, yeah, the sermon. <laughs> I'd like to clarify that. Uh, the, the idea behind the structure was Jesus says these things about the kingdom. And so we talk about being kingdom people, that that's what the mission is, that God is is building his family um who are citizens of this kingdom. And then he sets them on a hill to live as people of the kingdom. And that 
entails so many things like people of the kingdom will proclaim the kingdom people of the kingdom will live um, according to the values in the economy of the kingdom and so when you see things like um, how we handle authority and how we look um, or consider the poor or how we deal with um, power or how we deal any of these different things we are ambassadors so we deal with them and we see them and view them in light of the kingdom like how how they view it in in the kingdom and so um so i just wanted to give some of those characteristics that jesus talks about in the kingdom like what he says about the kingdom and then how he demonstrates it because that's critical if we just look at what is said about these things then we can create our own definitions of what that means and we can excuse things we can redefine things but jesus not only talks about the kingdom and says what it's like but then he demonstrates it through his actions. And so once we kind of look at those couple of things, then the question gets turned back to us. Like, so then if that's the case, how then should I live? And so, so one of those was, um, you know, small to big, that there's this kingdom principle that God takes small things. And so Jesus talks about the kingdom is like a, a mustard seed and, um, and how it gets planted. It ends up growing into this, big tree that all the birds of the air make their nests in. And so it's this principle you see of small to big. You see it when he talks about, you know, the, to be faithful in small things and you'll receive greater things. The parable of the talents, like there's the, the widow's offering. There's so many examples of this value of the kingdom that in a world that says it's big things that matter, it's big power, it's big status, it's big influence, um, big actions that matter, the kingdom says, no, it's small, faithful acts of obedience um, that grow into really big things. And so one of the things I thought would be helpful, because you're so good at taking these big, like 30,000 foot view ideas of it, and then talking about, okay, what does that look like practically? Because I thought it'd be good to, to ask you, um, where do you see that? Where have you seen that in your life? Or what what practical help would you give to somebody who's hearing that and saying, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Then how do I, how do I live in light of the idea that the kingdom is, goes small to big? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think part of it, just thinking in terms of even decisions we make every day, I think, I don't know, you might've made this point, Jay, or you triggered it with something you said on Sunday, but we sometimes think that we know when we're making a big choice Hmm. and sometimes they're very obvious. Like I'm moving to a new place or I'm picking a field of study or something. Those are big, obviously. But really on a day-to-day basis, we don't know when we're making big decisions. And I would say part of this small to big in our discipleship to Jesus is that each decision we make, every, every time we say your way, Jesus, not my way, your way, that's significant. Even if it feels really small, it can be very significant. So so for example, um, if you're, if one of the things that Jesus is teaching you right now is as his disciple is relational connections, like trying to befriend neighbors, okay. Or people at your workplace, it might seem insignificant to, to say hello and to try to like have a conversation, just a conversation. You're not sharing the gospel, right? You're not giving them a meal to eat or anything at this point. You're just right. having, but it's not insignificant. Mm-mm. That's a step in obedience in living in the kingdom with Jesus. And so I guess that'd be one practical example is we just, we don't know when we're making a a choice that will have a big ripple. Mm. 
And each choice we make, it's spirit empowered, right? It's not just like us and our goodness. It's spirit, spirit choices. Um, they have the potential to shape who we are as people and then to impact people around us. It's a big deal. It's like we need eyes to see what could be. I think that's part of it too. Because when he's mm-hmm. telling them that, they're kind of baffled, right? The kingdom isn't coming like militarily, that it's not coming as this big explosion on the scene. It's like kind of insignificant, right? He even right. picked people to follow him who weren't super highly educated. A lot of them weren't guys who could have just picked up a scroll and read it. Uh, they weren't like that. So I, I think that's part of what he's saying is it's you just follow me. Right. Just keep following me and watch what I will do. Yeah, and the, the small that idea of being faithful in in those small things and how he uses that. One of the great things about that, one of the exciting things about it is then you realize that every day you are being put into a situation where your, your choices matter. Like sometimes we can get driven into this idea of insignificance and some of us that is um, Hmm. discouraging because we want a life of significance. Some of us, it is um, too comfort. Like it, it makes us too comfortable so some people, uh, like you want to do something big and then you realize, hey, every moment is a potential big thing if I'm just faithful and then God will give me bigger things. Um, but then on the other side, we can become really complacent because we just think as long as we just keep our head down, it's kind of like being in the, the classroom where you don't make eye contact with the, t- the teacher because you don't want to be called on. Just think, well, if I just keep my head down and go about my life, God's not going to ask anything of me. Um, but that's not the case. Like every... Every day for every believer is filled with these kind of mustard seed moments and believing that will change the way we function in them and give it the proper weight of them. And, it, and it's ex- like I said, it's an exciting thing. I, I wouldn't want somebody to get burdened by it. It's not meant to be a burden of like, oh, no, now you just up the ante on like I, I thought it was just the big decisions I had to worry about whether I was going to do what God wanted me to do. Now you're telling me like what I eat for breakfast or like how I go grocery shopping. No, like those are opportunities. They're opportunities to respond in faithful obedience. Um, and then you mentioned you like led into the what was the next point. So maybe the structure was better than I thought. But that idea that the, the harvest is plentiful, that Jesus describes this kingdom that that he says, like, look, if you look out and you see what God is doing, then you'll see that the harvest is plentiful. It, just as surely as a farmer would look out at his field and say, wow, it's time for the harvest, we should see that. And the reason Jesus sees that is because he sees his father working everywhere. Um, like, what does that look like to have eyes to see um, God, just God at work? I think part of it is having faith that what Jesus said was true there. It's like believing Jesus yes. when he says that. So if you believe Jesus that the harvest is plentiful, then you can have confidence that God has been at work in people around you already mm-hmm. before you ever thought of it. Before I ever thought of sharing Jesus's love with somebody, God did. He made them and he's been pursuing them. Yes. So that's part of it. So that changes, I think, the way... You show up to things the way you function in your neighborhood and at your workplace because God's working here. And part of the, I think, adventure of following Jesus in that way is that we get to come alongside of what he's doing. It's not that we're doing it. We're joining him in his activity among people all around us. I think it also releases a burden. Mm -hmm. I think that releases us from this, like, make something happen 
I'm not, I don't think we're called to make something happen. We're, we're called to join Jesus in what he is doing. That might feel sometimes scary, like I have to take a risk relationally or something. I have to be have courage in a conversation, but we never actually make anything happen. God's the one that does that in people. So there's a lot of implications, I think, behind that truth. Yeah, it is. I think I just I think that what happens so often in the church, especially here, um, you know, in our country, it, people there are so many Christians in churches that go their whole life and they never. They never share the gospel, let alone see someone come to faith in Christ. And so what that can do is it can start to make you feel like, well, I think the well's pretty much dried up, like it's all tapped out, and uh, it's just not the case. And and so we can get into this mode of just assuming that God isn't at work, assuming, like being shocked if somebody actually responds. Um, there was a study, I wish I should have looked this up probably could pause the podcast right now and look up the stat, but there's a stat about um, a high percentage of, of self-proclaimed atheists pretty much daily ask the question of like, what is, what is the meaning of life and what, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of times people who are self-proclaimed atheist even don't necessarily want to be, they just don't see what's there they don't it's it's not a it's not a militantly anti-god stance a lot of times it's just like i i don't and and so then that can go more agnostic a lot of times but the point is that people do wonder and they do are curious about jesus and i have found far more often than not people having a curiosity about jesus which plays out in the life of jesus right a lot of people were curious about him and a lot of crowds followed him like followed him around, but few actually followed him. Yes. And that's the reality. But, but Jesus is even saying there's a lot out there who want to follow me. There are. And I think part of that too, you know, in another passage, he says that when he looks out at the crowds, yeah. he sees them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I think that's also one of those things that we just have to believe him because often right. when we look out, it doesn't really look that way. It looks like you know, sometimes it's obvious, like this person needs him, right? But a lot of times people appear very confident. They appear like their life is working. They appear kind, you know? And But when he looks out, Jesus sees what is actually true. And if you aren't in his kingdom with him, you're vulnerable. You are harassed and helpless. There are powers much stronger than you that you need him to protect you from and to rescue you from. I think that goes hand in hand with this, that the harvest is plentiful. It's eyes to see needs that aren't obvious and to trust that the need for him is there, even if a person isn't vocalizing it or giving you any hint that they need him. He's working in hearts. And he's working in, in basically in every area. So that was one of the principles that every everyone is invited. So I was talking about the the parable of the banquet, which is just one of my favorite it's, it's a scary parable, but it's also this beautiful parable of like, go and invite everybody. And then they, and then they come back and they, and there's still space at the table. And then he says, he goes out, go out on the highways and go out, like, just keep going and invite people. And I, the, the thing that I was trying to get across was we just have this tendency to think that, that people, some people are closer to God than other people, that there are some segments of the population, whether it's um, because of 
family background or history or, or what religion they grew up in or political affiliation or whatever the case is. But we tend to think um, that, oh, you know, well, that group of people or that person, like they're far from God. And, you know, they're really far. And I, I always wonder, like, well, what does that even mean? Because in the Gospels, you couldn't be farther from God than, say, a prostitute or a tax collector um, in, in in their view. But Jesus demonstrated that, no, these are the ones. These are the ones who are going to respond to the invitation. Um, and so this idea that I don't... I. I proclaim this kingdom and and make sure that I'm proclaiming consistently the kingdom because that is a way of inviting everyone and wanting everybody to join in, in this banquet at at the table. I think that practically that's keeping our focus on him Hmm. and recognizing secondary tertiary, all the other things as not as important as him, right? It's like, if you, if you imagined yourself moving to a culture as a missionary, okay, and it's a place that they dress differently than you, they speak a different language than you, their political system is totally different than yours. You would know, you would have in your mind, I hope, what's most important right now is Jesus. All these other things feel different to me, but my job isn't to make them dress like me. It's not to make them listen to the music I like. It's to help them know Jesus to know God's love for them, to know redemption. And to me, that principle that everyone's invited, that's what it is. It's that's what's important is him. All the other things are preferences. They're, they're not as important as him. They really aren't. We divide over the, the most ridiculous things. And, and as, as followers of Jesus, we are called to unity in him and to bring others into that family with us and our unity is always about him and centered on him never anything else and you see it throughout i mean the gospels you had this pharisee party and the sadducee party these were the religious people who people would have thought were close to him but they weren't yeah and they were always fighting about the resurrection and jesus actually like used that to help demonstrate that like he he picked on that point very intentionally to help them see they were missing him yeah, and, and and a practical way of doing this, if if it's helpful to people, I, I've wanted. Uh, well, it's this: I want to talk about the kingdom in a way that answers the brokenness that people see in the world. So, one of the ways that we go about this, when you think of like, okay, well, how do I invite people into this banquet? Is it just inviting them to church? Is it inviting them to my gospel community? Is it inviting them over to an actual dinner or banquet? What you're doing is you're inviting them into the the kingdom, into your life in the kingdom, because the kingdom addresses the things that are broken in the world. The, this mission of God is that he restores all things. The king, And the good news is that this kingdom, which has no brokenness, has no sin, shows no, God shows no partiality. It will have people from every tribe and tongue and nation. That kingdom is real. And it has already, it has already come like, and it is going, and it is also yet to come. But the good news is that this, this kingdom has come and that the king is inviting people to his banquet table. So when somebody is grieving over, you know, something that they see in the world, some injustice or some frustration or something, some brokenness in their life, 
our, the good news is that in the kingdom, those things will all be made right. Those things will all be restored and that that kingdom has come and we can take part in it right now through Christ um, in our life in Christ. And that's what the church is supposed to be representing are people who live like that. Um, but it also is coming fully and people will either, that will either be a message of hope and excitement, like a, like a person who gets an invitation to the banquet says like, yes, of course I want to do like drops everything they have to go versus the person who says, yeah, but I don't know, which in my life has looked like when I, when I offer that to somebody or say like, do you realize that the King has come this, what you're talking about, the brokenness you're talking about, it is dealt with in the kingdom by this King and he has come. The kingdom is at hand and and invite them into that. Some people have responded with excitement and other people have responded with um, justifications or excuses or whatever. And Jesus says that's that's going to happen. And and it's often the people that you think are really close who will say, well, yeah, but I, I, I think this, or I, I want to, I want to finish doing these things or, okay, I'd be willing, I'd be willing to do that, but I'm not going to give up this part of my life or whatever the case is. Um, but but we can't invite, we're, we're not called to discriminate based on that. We're called to invite anybody into that table. Um, and, and the reason it is is because of the, that other point that I was making was that it, the kingdom is a treasure in a field. Like it's worth everything. And the idea that what, in, in what, like what you said, that we just need to believe Jesus when he says like, this is reality. Do I believe him? Well, he says, if you see the kingdom for what it is, then it's a treasure in a field that upon finding it, a man goes and sells everything that he has so that he can buy that field and the, you know, and the treasure in it. So he can lay hold of that treasure. That's, that's how people respond who are being saved by God. They, they hear it, they see it and they, they say, well, this is worth anything. Like whatever I'd have to give up. Not just because I think it should be worth everything, right? but because I actually think that. Can I back up for one second? Because I just thought of something oh, I practical. I thought of something practical for that, like with that example of the banquet and inviting people mm -hmm. to it. I think as we are in the world and we're saying, Jesus, use me, you know, use me. Part of being your disciple is that I get to make more disciples. Part of the truth then is that we don't need to decide for people if they're going to be interested in Jesus or not. Yes, it's good. Right? Because I think that goes back to what you were saying that it can appear that certain people are closer or not for, you know, we have all kinds of metrics we use for that in our own head or that this person's not going to be interested. For example, they might reject it. Well, I think part of what, what our job then is to do is to, to let Jesus sort that out with them and to be faithful to him and not decide on behalf of this person, whether or not they're going to have any interest in coming to this banquet or not using the, you know, the analogy there. I think that's just really practical and it's actually, I think, easier to say it than it is to do it because we have all sorts of filters that we put people through very quickly to see who's it going to be in or not. We just do it. But, but doesn't that show how we don't, how we don't fully believe that the kingdom is a treasure in a field? Because I would have no, no qualms. I don't care what your view is on money or possessions or anything like that. But if I knew there was a million dollars buried out there and that anybody that dug in there was going to find a million dollars that you weren't taking my million dollars or whatever, I would, 
I would tell you, I would just assume, well, of course you want to know that. Like, of course, if, if you believe it and you see it as for what it is, then you'd be out there digging. And if someone says to you, not interested. Right. Okay. I feel like, okay. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. But, but I hope that, yeah. Right. You're not personally like offended by that no. and you don't feel slighted. I mean, it would be the same Scream. thing for some cure for some thing, right? right? You just want to tell people Yep. and you wouldn't discriminate based on whatever thing. No. And you would hold back only, only compared or only relative to, um, the lack of value that you see in it. And I think that's, that's one of the things that we need to always check. Like, do we see that? That's why Matthew thirteen forty four has been such an important verse for me because it is such a checkpoint. I mean, just do I really believe that this, am I living like this kingdom is a treasure in a field that it's worth anything and everything. And so we'll talk sometimes about, well, then we reorient our entire life. Like that, that parable in one verse just shows that it says he goes and sells everything he had, that there's nothing in his life that is worth not laying hold to that. And um, when you talk about, you know, casting every sin aside, like, you know, so that we can pursue this. And when we talk about just like nothing matters compared to laying hold of this kingdom. And so I'm hoping like people can think like, well, that should affect how I spend my time and how I spend my money and how I spend um, my energy and where I use it. And, um, and that's the question I was asking, like, are you, if you're going to invite people into that, like what you're inviting people into is this kingdom life, like take some inventory. Does my life simply, simply does my life look like the kingdom is a treasure in a field? Does my life look like someone would say, well, what are you living for? Cause this, you're completely oriented around this whole thing. Like all your eggs are in this basket. And then I, is it such that I'm able to look and say, well, yeah, cause it's, it's the most valuable thing. And that's Paul's life. I look at that and he just, I count all things loss. He's, you know, willing to be in prison. He's willing, and it's not even a, it's, he doesn't even look at it as like he sacrificed anything. It's, it's worth it. Yeah. Compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, right? right. Lord, like nothing else is worth it. What, what would you say, Jay, to someone who might be thinking, yeah, I want that to be how I feel about the kingdom, but I'm just not there. Yeah. Like I just don't, or I have some days where I feel that. And then other days where that's just not my reality. I have to force it. Yeah. What would you. Yeah. So it's a good question because this is, it can be a daily battle. Um, you know, one thing I would say is to go back to that first point that small becomes big. So just praying for eyes to see going into like, let's say it's your workplace. Let's say that at your job, you just don't see anything redemptive about it. You don't know anybody that follows Jesus. You don't find value in your job as it is. Like you just wonder it feels you know, pointless or whatever the case is just believing like you're talking about believing that, okay, God says he's at work. So asking him, you know, just show me, show me something, show me what you're doing and then respond, like listen and respond in just small steps of obedience, small steps of faith. Like maybe it's, maybe it's, I'm going to, I'm going to show up to work five minutes earlier than normal. I'm going to sit in the parking lot and I'm going to pray for five minutes 
for my day. Like rather than just getting there and jumping out of the car and heading in, I'm going to sit in the parking lot. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the people as I see them walk in to, you know, into my workplace. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be mindful of how I interact with people. Um, and I'm just going to be praising God, um, during the day. So that, that would be something, I mean, like you said, keeping, shifting your attention, um, being mindful of Jesus, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, believing what he says about your environment, believing that he actually did place you there. Um, so that would be something, I don't know. I think just, I like how you just even acknowledged it, that that, that's a reality. Some days are like that and some days aren't like, I think that's just helpful to set the expectation for people. And so if you're feeling that and that made, that's a personal conversation too, that, you know, Jay and I would both love to sit down if, if people are thinking that or feeling that way, because it does require each person so unique, right. And why that might be the case can be very different for different people. It's part of what discipleship is to Jesus. It's working this all out, right? Where, where are the blocks and what am I missing and how do I grow? And he loves doing that in us. Exactly. This is joy. It is. He, I just, he's not looking at us as a, like, why don't you have this all figured out yet? He is, we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our, in our weaknesses. He knows what this is like, and he is endlessly patient. I mean, it's just insane how patient, and he rejoices in our acts of obedience. It's a, and then we, if we feel God's pleasure in that, like that is an incredible um, motivator. And, and, you know, so another thing, I mean, kind of the last thing I was thinking about was the, the last point in the message was just that the kingdom is everywhere. And, um, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, like it's at hand wherever Jesus reigns. And so I just want people to think through, okay, well, is there an area of my life that I, that I see as a part, like see as secular or see as apart from the kingdom of God, because it's not every area we talk about workplace um but your neighborhood or whatever you hear us talk about that all the time but that's because um the kingdom of god is everywhere where jesus reigns and so anytime there's a believer there there the holy spirit is there and and reigning jesus is reigning and and so I, the question that that i would love for us to ask is how how would jesus redeem all the areas of my life my hobbies um my weekends my, my work day, my, um, bedtime with kids, um, you know, whatever the case is, like he will redeem everything and they are all opportunities to display the reign of Jesus. And again, that goes back to the small, you know, small to big kind of thing that, that it matters. Like all of those things matter to declare. Um, I, I had a friend who years ago, uh, his daughter was just really struggling. This was back when we lived in Colorado and, um, his daughter was just really struggling and they were struggling their relationship or whatever. And they started just declaring the kingdom in their house. And they just said, this is, this isn't, this home is not our own. Like this is where the kingdom of God reigns and is at hand. And it was like this supernatural thing that would happen. He, he said like, she'd come into this house and like we could be arguing in the car or whatever, like on a drive or whatever, and you come into the house and all of a sudden it's just changed. And I think there's some, just some powerful truth in that, that like when we just declare that Jesus, this belongs to you, 
this environment, this part of my life, this belongs to you and you reign here, that something supernatural happens there. Like there's a battle that's going on and something supernatural happens when we just declare the reign of Christ in, you know, in the basketball gym, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the, the board meeting at, I mean, everywhere. Yeah. When we, when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Yes. And on earth as in heaven, that's like in every place on earth in everything everywhere. And it's so unfortunately so easy, I think to compartmentalize it. Like you were saying, where we have these certain spheres of our life yeah. that are his, and then there's others that aren't. You know, Jesus, I'm not aware of a spot where he talked about the spiritual life. Like we use that kind of phrase, but there's just life. Right. That's all there is. There's not a spiritual life and another life. It's everything in it. And to me, the exciting part about that is that means the places where we spend the most time. So like our workplaces, our homes, our schools, those are the places where we get to encounter Jesus the most. That's where we spend the most of our time. And I think shifting that in our mind is really important that my discipleship from Jesus to Jesus doesn't stop when I go to work. Actually, that's the very place where he's going to meet me the most because that's where I'm spending the most time. Like most of my working hours are in this place, wherever that is. That is where he wants to disciple you. It's in that place. Coming to church is part of that, right? Like we come here, we worship in this building together. But really where you spend most of your time, that's where he's meeting you. That's where your kingdom come and your will be done, that's where that prayer is going to be answered most clearly for each one of us. Yeah, and and I, I do want to make one other point clear on that, is that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is very real, um, but there is a not yet element to it. And so what that means is I'm not dependent on the reign of God, the reign of Jesus here is not dependent on everybody else acknowledging that like the good news is that the kingdom is coming and it's it has come but the king is returning and so um so then that frees me from i don't have to worry about like if my culture is seems like it's going away from it or whatever that doesn't that does not deter the kingdom of god that's not it's not going to keep the kingdom of god from coming and and that my responsibility is to live as as a citizen of this kingdom and to to declare the goodness of the king and and to hope that as many pos- as possible come to the banquet table but what that also means is that i don't have to be afraid i don't have to be concerned because there's nothing that can happen it's it's not a it's not a battle of flesh and blood that we can look and see and and it's not something that is in doubt and so that should fill us with a quiet confidence the ability to go into places and and sometimes into dark places and to let our light shine because we're not we're not dependent on um, external circumstances or those things happening and so I can go to the board meeting and even if everybody else like you know whether it's a school board meeting or PTA or at work or whatever everybody else can be living for a different kingdom and and I can still be at peace with this quiet humble confidence in my king and knowing that he is bringing things about and hoping that that others will come to that table i love that that does totally change i think what a person would feel when they when they're feeling like it's not like it should be right this is not right right like yeah it's not
but it but is we going can to still be. yeah and and yeah. he's doing it and we continue to follow him in the midst of it yeah it's such a great joy and privilege and and it is our joy and privilege to walk with you on that path and so we love getting questions we've gotten a couple over the last week of people saying hey this is the situation i'm in how do i live faithfully as a as a citizen of the kingdom how do i love people well uh, that's what we love to help people do so um if you have questions about that then um you know you can email or call the church and uh, we would love to to connect with you about that and uh, as always we hope that this podcast has been encouraging to you and uh, we're just praying for for god to to do all the work that he is planned to do we know that he will do that and we just want to rejoice in that uh, alongside of you so um, thanks for taking the time to listen and until next time grace and peace to you Music